Hello uh, viewers out there and those who are taking their time to watch us on the different platforms of Ugandan Catholics online and uh, UEC Youth Apostolate. We are yet to bring you a very exciting moment for an exclusive interview with the Bishop-elect. And this time specifically on the apostolic exhortation of Pope Francis, Christ is alive, Christus vivid. Bishop-elect, you are most welcome. I will kindly request that you introduce yourself out to our viewers, specifically the young people. Please go ahead. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm uh, uh, Father Raphael Okoraj. As uh, it has been mentioned, uh, <coughs> I've been appointed uh, Bishop for Nebi Catholic Diocese. And um, I've been offered this opportunity to share um, my view on this uh, apostolic exhortation, Christus Vivit, and I believe our sharing will help you, will uh, contribute something to your understanding and meaning of the document. Uh, thank you so much, Bishop-elect. Uh, one thing I need to inform you of is that uh, at the time when we were submitting the reports, to Rome on the lineamenta. It so happened that Uganda was number one on the online uh, response to this document. And we have gotten this privilege through the support of our bishops of Uganda, and specifically through the National Youth Office of Uganda Episcopal Conference, that we have taken this document as a serious document in our youth language, we call it the love letter of Pope Francis to the young people. So we also want our bishops, our animators to impress it as a love letter to them because he has written it for the young people and to the people of God. So specifically as a missionary, I want to imagine you have a very rich experience in the way how you animate uh, the young people. And I was telling my friends out there that I got the opportunity to be accompanied in my journey of faith as a young person by the Komboni missionaries. So as a Komboni, I want to imagine you have a very rich uh, intake or comment on this document. I will kindly request that you, you share it with our young people <coughs> out there. Thank you. I like the way you have introduced it and described it. It's a love letter, right? Yes. Wonderful. And... Um, Love is uh, God, is the name of God, and uh, I've always in my ministry with young people tried also to focus on the experience that uh, uh, we have of love. Uh, love as such is a, a common word, used and also misused, or we can even say abused right. in many ways. So I think it is important. It's so important um, uh, name, and yet it is sometimes very much misused, as I said. Um, I always looked at love as the mover of everything that we have. St. Augustine, his experience is to me focal for us to understand what love is, and I like the way he approached it. And uh, many times I presented it as a way of understanding 
what love is. We live in a world where we have a lot of information. We live in a world where people are quite knowledgeable. Even young people. Today, if you talk about inventions, children even can tell you what they're inventing now. And so, information is not lacking. We are very much informed. So we have a broad knowledge in many areas of life. And St. Augustine will consider such experience in a way that I believe is so different and unique in a sense that for him, he understands that we as human persons are moved by what we love, not but what we know. What changes us is what we love. Love defines us. Added to this, I give an example. We have certain emotions that can overwhelm us. Emotions like fear and things like that. I come from a big family of 11, I told you, the fourth. My elder sister, Margaret. Was such a fearful lady, was such a fearful lady. When we were growing up, you know, in the village, when it is dark, she would not even dare to go in a place which is dark if my mother sent her go to the hut to get something, water or whatever. She could not dare. She will drag me. I will go with her. Just to accompany. She needed that. She was afraid. And that, is, that went for almost all our life as we were growing up. She grew up and when she got her boyfriend, the first lover, this is a lady who was so fearful. And then she started tracking the dark alone. She abandoned me. The power of love. When we discover the object of our love, things change. And that's what I believe St. Augustine wanted to convey. That we are moved by what we love, but not what we know. Because love itself is power, is strengthened by that. We can even take it in the light of faith because faith is the love of God in our hearts. Is that which makes us know who God is, is the light. And with that approach, I believe that you have rightly defined this um, exhortation of the Holy Father in a way that should uh, capture, uh, capture the essentials of human life essentials of our life as Christians. Uh, thank you so much. And I specifically would like also you to, to have a general comment on the document itself. Mm -hmm. I want to imagine you have also tried to read through just a general comment about this document. I, I didn't read all the pages, but uh, chapter 9, as you said, and chapter 5, yeah. um, took my attention and I, I thought that uh, in 2018 when it came, I think the concern of the Pope uh, uh, is very actual, is very uh, proper because um, as families and institutions always tend to say, you know, young people are getting distracted in many ways 
they want love, they want to live love, but are not getting hold of what it is. And so it's, it's an important concern. Uh, the way it is analyzed, I think it is helpful. But I would like to add uh, maybe a little idea to that as my way of saying, to in, uh, interpreting it or capturing it. Um, I took it like uh, uh, there is on one hand we want love and on the other hand we want freedom. And these are the two things that uh, are fundamental for all human persons. These are uh, values that we cannot be alienated from. <clears throat> love and uh, freedom. And uh, the struggle of many people and above all young people is all about how can I be free? I want to be free. And they fight for freedom at all levels. And that is what the world also is promoting. Uh, but what kind of freedom can you talk about? How can I come to understand the true nature of freedom? I take this docu document, Christus Vivid, as one chapter in life which opens us to understand what freedom is. And I would like to present it in this way, that um, a freedom itself is a gift of God to us. But we must understand it also in the context of what God wants from human person. So how would we take it? I take one thing as very fundamental, love. Love defines what freedom is. Your freedom is defined by what you love. You know, one who is alcoholic, his freedom is defined by beer. Yes, he will be as free as the beer dictates on him. One who loves money, he will be defined by the logic of making money. And that is what defines his freedom. The extent to which we can be free is defined by the object of our love. One who, is the, who loves God will define his freedom by what God dictates, and he will love to live by that. And so when we discover what our object of love is, then we can also define freedom. And by being free, it means either we are truly free or we are not, because we cannot pretend. Yeah, We cannot pretend we are free when the object of this, what we call freedom, is not truly what God wants. And for God, we are created to love him. St. Augustine once again determines it. St. Augustine nails it in a way that our heart is never free unless it rests on God. And to me, that is where the central core message is of this message, of this text, of this exhortation, that love defines freedom. Freedom depends on love. And our commitment, maybe as educators, as guide for young people, we need to do that. We need to do that. We cannot mix everything and put them at the same level. There are certain things which will make us free, but a limited freedom. And if that freedom we are seeking and what we have discovered cannot open us to love of God, then we are going to be prisoners. That's how I look at it. That's the way I've understood the text. Thank you so much, and uh, I think it has been a blessing really to have you to summarize it in your own way. And when you further go into the document, there is that uh, chapter which talks about young people 
with the roots. And the embassy there specifically is how do the young people link this journey of theirs to adulthood in relation to also listening to the elders, to listen to their parents, to listen to their grandparents, basically listening to the elderly people. And uh, in our African context, you have realized that our roots, who we are, is actually defined by the family where we come from. And what will be your advice to the young people, specifically on this aspect of how to interface with the elderly and learn more from our elderly people as being emphasized in the document, young people with roots? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> uh, this, to me, will be a little complex uh, in terms of relating it to elders. Mm -hmm. um, when we talk of maybe the challenges we have, we, should, we can even say the crisis, social, cultural crisis we have today in the society, it is unfortunate that many times we think that uh, the young people are the ones who do not have, who do not have a ground or root, being rooted. Uh, but I will even challenge maybe ourselves as elders, a lot of people, how rooted we are. Uh, one thing, I'm not exonerating the young people, but uh, I believe that all of us are growing and breathing the air of what confusion has been created. Okay? Uh, you see, today, if we can say, is look at different aspects of life. In the social dimension, what are the models that we have like parents as parents? In the leadership, what are the models that we have? Hmm? Like the Mandelas or whatever. These are the questions which I believe we need to consider uh, before we could even say, yes, the young people need to listen to the youth. I'm sure if we have to listen to the elders as they are today, we shall all derail ourselves. There is likelihood that we shall all be derailed. The, the question we are facing with the young and all that, I think we need to look at it in a more global way and even a little detached from the, right, the first question we are raising, that the elders, we presume the elders by nature that they know. Many elders have found themselves chronologically elders, but many are not. What are we handing over to the young people generally? What are we handing over to the young people? Can we really define, can we really describe concretely that what we are handing to the young people is the right thing? with the content, with the energy. They have problems to say yes to it completely. I have problems. Mm. You see the degeneration, for example, if we take even of schools, uh, education structures, all these things. During our time, teachers were really teachers, and you could say a teacher has certain way of presenting himself such that he has authority. He has authority. When a teacher came to your family, you'll rush to get him a chair. Right. A teacher, when he meets you, have not dressed well on the way, can tell you something and you listen. That's right. Do we still have that? 
School is very sacred place. Now, if that sacred place is already not captured in the picture of saying the elders should hand over the other, I have a big question. I think we have a lot of work to do in terms of addressing that issue. Yeah. I think we have a question, unless you want to clarify to me in a way that we can understand it together. Yeah, thank you so much. Actually, when uh, you were sharing in your previous uh, uh, talks mm -hmm. uh, that many other denominations say Jesus is the answer, and you reflected that, what is the question? Mm -hmm. So in the same way, we would like to really listen to this kind of analysis you have given on not only exonerating the young people, but they have landed on a platform which actually has already been messy. Mm -hmm. But what is it that we can do as elders, as the animators, to also make them to have a smooth journey in their faith, in their social life, in their general life as uh, you know young people mm. and uh, one of the things i am uh, i'm very excited and happy of is where the holy father is telling them not to be watching from the balcony but always be involved in all these processes I want to thank you so much for giving your time uh, to share your summary information about uh, this rich document christ is alive christus vivid and we will continue interacting with you time over and again as the National Youth Office of Uganda Episcopal Conference we want to congratulate you upon this good news, we call it good news, uh, being elected as uh, the ordinary of Nebi Catholic Diocese by default or design, actually I come from the Gulu Ecclesiastical Province of which Nebi is one of the dioceses and we have a lot of collaboration in the youth activities, both at the Ghana level and also at the Tisan level. You're most welcome to maybe Catholic Diocese. Your fears are the true fears of love, or love for the people, in especially love for the young people. We will continuously engage you at our different platforms uh, for the youth. Thank you so much, uh, viewers out there on the platform. This has been uh, Zako Joyce, the National Youth Coordinator, uh, having a talk show on Christus Vivid with our Bishop-elect, uh, Father Rifel Wokoraj, and want to thank you for your time. Thank you.